listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Um, I'm trusting I've switched on okay. You're happy with that? Well, it's been such a long time since we've been here, and we've really been looking forward to coming and meeting the church and greeting the church and catching up with some old friends and discovering some new. So it's a joy to be with you. I understand that um, the children were well-versed in their song there and their moves, I noticed. Uh, But I understand that uh, they're going to one day get the whole congregation to follow suit. Um, It might just give them even more confidence, that's what I was thinking. But um, isn't it great to rejoice together? I want to share, first of all, say thank you for hospitality and, of course, the kindness and generosity of Vi. Uh, We have been so refreshed and blessed in these few days we've been here anticipating today. I understand that You've been looking through the Word of God concerning the heart of God. And you touched on, I think, what is probably one of the primary issues, the generosity of God. But God is such a wonderful God. I remember my daughter was on a radio program and she was asked what was one of her favorite songs when she was being interviewed, or your choruses. And she said... It's the one that goes, he, he is a good, good father. That's who he is. He's a good, good father. And I think I must have burst at that moment in tears. I can't remember where I was. But I thought, that is it. That's who he really, really is. And I want to share something of his heart for you as a people. I'm going to say things that you probably wouldn't expect me to say. And I'm going to discharge in the shortest time possible. We always say if you listen fast enough, we'll finish sooner. Um, I want to share God's heart for you. And if you were the only person in this place, whether well-seasoned or a new sapling, this is true concerning you. I want to take you to a very old book, an old story. Um, It's actually the oldest one in the Bible, and it's in Job chapter 29. I'm going to read a few verses to you, and then I want to show you how God's heart is to restore. Say the word restore. Restore. That is to give back to us more than we ever lost. Would you turn to the person next to you? That's what God wants to do, give back to you more than you've ever lost. Would you do that? You were so quiet. Does that mean you were timid? You're not. America's not timid. Don't give me this. Come on. Job chapter 29. I'm going to read to you some verses uh, from verse 1. And then give you a little context to it. And then I want to bring home to you God's heart. The restoring of your soul. And Job again took up his discourse. 
and said. This is his third response. His third response to the counsel of his friends who are trying to help him out. He's going through a tough time. He can't fathom out why. He can't get to the bottom of, well, what did he do wrong? Why is it that all hell, all hell seems to be breaking loose? And so his best of friends are very articulate. Wow, they've got the up-to-date counseling techniques. You'd never believe it. Talk about life coaches. These guys love him so much they're killing him with the, the, the verbiage, as we would say. And still he's not yet released. So now he's responding to them. And this captures something of the heart of somebody who really wants to stay alive in God. Irrespective of their circumstances. And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, there's a word. Just take that one word. Oh, what longing, what desire, what prayer, one word prayer. Oh, that I, whereas in months gone by, as in the days when God watched over me, Months gone by as in the days. Why? The years seem like seconds. Time flies. We used to say that when we were kids. Our parents used to say, time flies. And we used to think, well, it's not going fast enough. We wanted to grow up bigger. We wanted to have more opportunities. We wanted to pursue our future. We were in a hurry to catch up with the future. But the older you get, the more you realize the days fly so fast. And so Job is trying to say something in the presence of God to the best of his friends. He's trying to say, I've got deep, deep, deep longings. And oh, that I could go back to those days. He's awakening his soul to the reality That God's been a good, good God. That God has never failed him. And he begins to rehearse with his testimony something of the vibrancy of knowing God, walking with God, confiding in God. And It's not as if he's pulling himself up from his bootstraps. He has a great desire to go even deeper with God. A great, great desire, whatever might be the age or the stage he's at, he wants his soul restored. He wants it to be brought back to optimum level of fellowship with the Lord. This is a wonderful testimony. As in the days when God watched over me. You'd have to understand the first four chapters of Job give you something of the testings that Job is going through. The first four chapters, the enemies on his case to discourage him, to rob him, to discredit him. 
The first four chapters, he's tested in the loss and bereavement in family, way beyond the normal levels. In the first four chapters, the testings, even his health, his skin, his appearance, everything about him seems to be being reduced to the point that he doesn't feel himself anymore. And he's in the testing times, the first four chapters. Then it takes I don't know how many more chapters of conversation that seems to be going nowhere. Words keep coming and going, but nothing's resolving it. So he's going back in his mind to the precious awareness of how good God has been to him. Oh, that I was as in the months gone by, verse 2, as in the days when God watched over me. When his lamp shone over my head and, his, and by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in the prime of my days. When the friendship of God was over my tent. When the Almighty was yet with me. And my children were around me. And when my steps were bathed in butter. And the rock poured out for me streams of oil. And when I went to the gate of the city. When I took my seat in the square, the young men saw me and hid themselves. And the old men arose and stood. The princes stopped talking and put their hands on their mouths. And the voice of nobles were hushed and their tongues stuck to their, stuck to their palate. But when they heard, it called, they called me, they heard it, they called me blessed. And when they saw it gave witness of me because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the orphan who had no helper. The blessing of, of the one ready to perish came upon me and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. What a transformation. And I put on righteousness and it clothed me. And my justice was like a robe and a turban I was eyes to the blind, feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And I investigated the case, which I did not know. I broke the jaws of the wicked and snatched the prey from his teeth. And then I thought I shall die in my nest and I shall multiply my days as the sand and my root is spread out to the waters and dew lies all night on my branch. And my glory is ever new with me. Power bow is renewed in my hand. And to me they listened and waited and kept silent for my counsel. And afterwards they did not speak again. And my speech dropped on them. They waited for me as for the rain. And opened their mouth as for the spring rain. And I smiled on them. And when they did not believe in the light of my face, they did not cast down. I chose a way for them. I sat as chief and dwelt as king among the troops as one who comforted the mourners. He's trying to get back to his future. He's trying to rediscover the vitality of the nearness of God in his life. And he's looking back to the days. Seasons are important for all of us. Whether we like it or not, some parts of the world don't understand in the physical sense that the seasons change because their season seems to be constantly sunshine, sunshine, sunshine. 
But in most places, we understand the seasons. You might say, well, I enjoy the spring the most. Or the summer, because then you can change the color of your skin or hide it from the sun. Or the autumn, when, wow, you've had quite a year. Now you're evaluating what's just passed. Or the winter, when it's time for all change. You're going through some real challenges. The seasons are part and parcel of God's heart for us. It's perfectly all right, even in your own circumstances, to go through seasons in life. And some of them are good seasons, some of them are bad seasons. But the issue is not that. The issue is that the Lord is constant. He's for you, not against you. And the seasons will help you to have a full-orb view of the reality of your humanity. Your ups and downs, your strength and your weaknesses, it's perfectly all right. When the old enemy comes and says, you're not a very good Christian, agree with him. Tell him, that's you satisfied, I'll go on your way. But it's by the grace of God I am who I am. Amen? Amen? So we don't have to argue with the devil. And we don't have to think we're perfect. We're not perfect. Thank God. We have enough challenges to keep us humble. But enough blessings to cause us to dance before the Lord. Amen? He's a good God. His heart is to restore. But there are times, like the psalmist says, doesn't he? He leads me beside still waters. He restores. He brings back into the spirit. He quickens. That's what restores means in that context. That whatever might take the knocks, whatever might come at you and bash you, he's able to renew your strength. Again, the psalmist says, if you wait upon the Lord, if you wait for the Lord to bring it through, you'll be okay. You shall renew your strength. You'll be restored. But this is a long time coming. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, I would have despaired, fainted, unless I had believed. All I need to do is to believe. Whatever denies this belief, I believe, I believe. Oh God, help my unbelief. But I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So, Job is in this in-between place. And in his heart, he's still got an appetite. He's thirsty. He's dry. He's feeling barren. This is something quite real for him. But at least he's got the thirst. You know well, I've heard it said many times. Many people just die of dehydration. Many of our older people who don't bother to drink enough or maybe they can't steady the cup to drink and the nurses are too busy to make sure that they get enough fluid intake, they become disorientated. They begin to lose their way and lose their vitality 
A nil by mouth can be a curse, not just a blessing. Because they dry up on the inside. But Job has an appetite. He has a thirst. This is the key to every one of us in our humanity. That we have a hunger and a thirst after God. Whatever might be the issues. He's got them all. Health, wealth, family, all taken. He's between a rock and a hard place. But he's got a thirst. Jesus stood up one day at a great feast. Didn't he? And he lifted up the volume, the tone of his voice. He said this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I'll give him of the waters of life. My words, said Jesus, are spirit and life. And so I am delighted for Job. He's about to see a real turning point because he's not lost his appetite for God. His longings are there, just like the psalmist who said this. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It's your presence, Lord. I need your presence. You see, the first thing you learn is this. You're not just a spectator. You are a participator in the grace of God. You're not just observing the theology of who God is. You're experiencing the reality. God is with you. God is near you. God is for you. Who can be against you? See? It's real. The old devil's got a headache. When you keep your thirst for God, your hunger for God, your longing for God, your awareness that without God, you cannot even get through this next season. You need the Lord. I pray for everybody who preaches the word of God that they don't get to the pulpit and just articulate. I pray that they participate in a revelation of what God's wanting to say. To his people. I would have despaired. Fainted. And that's where Job is at. But he's a participator. You know his name in Hebrew means persecuted. In Arabic it's slightly different. It says repentant. But the two go together. God's in the business of restoring. God is in the business of renewing. God is in the business of maturing. Correct. He's committed to that. The whole of Ephesians will tell you the story that God's more interested in the body of Christ growing up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants for your life. He said, should I be a missionary? Should I be a preacher? Should I be a nurse? It's not even about what you should be. It's, it's uh, what you should do. It's about what you should be. Grow up in the knowledge of who he is. And that he's for you and that he's with you. And that he'll enable you whatever you're going through. You're a participator, not a spectator. But this is the argument of the old enemy about Job. He's got it all going for him. He doesn't know what it is to be without. 
I mean, he's got a testimony. He's a little bit plastic. Could even be a bit more digital. It's a funny kind of testimony where you don't understand the realities of life, where your feet are not on terra firma. We're of the soil, breathed by the Spirit from heaven, so that we've got an uplift, but we're made of clay. We have to remind ourselves with the best gifts in the world, don't we? Hello, are you going to sleep on me? It just suddenly went so quiet, I thought I was dreaming. It's like that sometimes. You're made of clay, but there's something divine inside of you. There's, there's a light that's been switched on if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with all of your ailments and all of your challenges, that light is what lights up your life. You know that God is with you. You're a participator. But you might be persecuted. You might be going through a terrible time. doesn't make you less than you are. Even Jesus, it says, he learned in his earthly walk by the things that he suffered. Even Peter, who was so zealous for God, he's going to take the world for Jesus. And Jesus said, one day will come when they'll take hold of you and you won't go where you want to go anymore. And we all know that the suffering he went through. We don't understand suffering and we don't like to talk about suffering. It seems like heavy, man, you know, too, too heavy. But we participate in our world in suffering. And all of us have a taste of that. Sometimes you can be wrongly understood, persecuted, maligned. Maybe you've made some mistakes in your life and you've not put it all together and everybody's frozen their perception of you in your past failures. God is a God of restoration. Where would we be without that? He's a God of restoration. Take the word forgiveness. It's a beautiful word. Every time I think about it, I'm forgiven. My feet start to go and I need the musicians and the drums and I need the trumpets and the violins. That helps. I want to celebrate the fact that I am forgiven. I remember being in some very hostile situations, setting captives free from demonic powers. And I remember the old enemy through a demonic voice said to me, you're not a good Christian. And I said what I said to you earlier, that's up to you, Satan. I am who I am by the grace of God. And no one can be my accuser. Because who is he that condemns me? It's Christ that died. And by the way, he rose again from the dead. Just to put it on, you know. <laughs> We are on the winning side. Whatever might be the issues that we face, we are participators and sometimes we're persecuted, but I love this fact that we are those who can turn, repent, turn around, change the way we look at things. And I come back here. It's time for renewal. 
I want to show you what that means. Oh, that I were, as in the months gone by, in the days when God watched over me. Have you ever found it difficult when people are watching you? I'll give you an illustration. I could drive a car without even passing my test. Meaning, I knew how to drive the car. Betty taught me. Right? She did. She used to fall asleep while I was driving because she was confident of the sheer bliss of having somebody who knows how to drive a car. Right? But the worst thing came for me when the instructor sat in the seat next to me and he watched every move and turn. And I was aware of his beady eyes. I actually, I actually appreciated it more when I passed my driving test on a motorcycle. Because I knew he couldn't sit on the back because he didn't trust me. I just knew that. So I felt liberated. And so he said, now I'm going to let you go around the block. And when you come round the block, I want you to signal to your left and pull in alongside me. I'll be standing on the curb. And I'll be watching you. So I went merrily on my motorcycle, speeding round the corner, coming, and then I slowed down, regulated myself, because I knew he was watching me. And then I exaggerated the signs so that he wasn't blind. And I came in and I passed my motorcycle test. But he wasn't watching me quite like the guy in the car when I had to do what they call in our country a three-point turn. I don't have to do that in this country. I have to learn how to back up as well as park. The issue is there are eyes on you. Listen to me carefully. Think about it this way. When you're a granddad, you say grandfather. You, you actually quite enjoy watching your grandkids. You keep your eye on them, don't you? Hello, have you gone to sleep again? You keep your eye on them, and, and sometimes they catch you staring at them, but you just, you just think it's cute, correct? I, I just want you to know this. God's eye is on you. He's got more than one eye, more than two eyes. He's got many eyes. He's on your case. He's a good God. Hello? He knows how stupid you can be. He really does. He knows sometimes when you think you're going to do it all and be it all even for him, he knows when you're going to have to learn a few lessons. But I love your zeal. He watches you. You go through the seasons of life. His hand is upon you. His eyes are towards you. And he watches over you. And he's saying, oh, for those days. I feel like the protection is being removed. I want to get right back there. But God's eyes are on him now. He just can't see. He's hurting too much. And you may not even be able to believe this, but I want you to know this. God's eyes are upon you. You're not outside of his sight. Don't preach at the same time as me. Think about this. He's for you not against you. Then he says this, oh, when the lamp shone over my head. You know what he's talking about being in the tent? Have you ever been camping when you, you glamp in America, you don't camp, you, it's called glamping. 
Now, you've got a luxury five-star hotel canvas when you go camping. I, I know that. But when the light is on in the dark and the lamp is over your head, listen to me. There are times when I open up the Bible and I can't read too far without being deeply moved. It's as if he switches a thousand watt light on and I can see things. I didn't know there was so much poetry in God's word. I didn't know there was so much hidden treasure in the text. I've been a preacher for years. Nearly, nearly, not, not quite, maybe, yes, 50 years. I have seen some revelation of the heart of God that's changed my life. But more and more I'm finding, even at the wrong time, when I've got my sermon all ready, and the television cameras are rolling, and I've got to speak for 28 minutes and bring the word of God, and suddenly I start to read the scripture, and I can't get past the verse. Because it's hitting me hard in my soul. Revelation. It's a beautiful word. Say it, would you? Revelation. Unveiling. Revealing. God wants to reveal himself. How can he reveal himself to you if there's more dust on the cover of your Bible than there are wrinkled pages? And if you like, then okay, I'll take the digital platform. If every time you want to have a little devotional read, ping, and somebody's text, oh, wait a minute, I'll just answer that text. And God wants to do business with you and bring you to the place of revelation so that he can unveil to you something of the treasures that he's got for you in his grace. Are you hearing me? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if I'm a believer, I want to believe what I believe and I want to read what I believe. And I want God through his word to allow his word to read me. Revelation. It ought not to be dry. Hello. It ought to quench your thirst. I want to get back to that place. And maybe you're in that dry place right now. It's time for change. It's time to be renewed. And it begins by having a healthy appetite. A thirst and a hunger. And by his light, I walk through the darkness. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I think I'm nearly 70. I think I am. I know I look 40 plus. But sometimes, certain parts of the world, you get disorientated. You know when you travel all the time and you're in different places and if you're on your own. And if you're in a dark place, you forget where the doors are. If you wake up in the middle of the night and there's no light on, you forget where the doors are. The light makes all the difference. What you're going through, allow God to switch the light on. And half the things you're imagining will disappear. Half of the shadows and half of the shapes and half of the, the austere thing that's coming at you will dissolve by the light of God. 
God is with you. His voice can speak into you. When he speaks into you, it doesn't tickle your ear. It stimulates your spirit. And it awakens your heart and your passions. I'm talking about a voice that reassures, a voice that imparts, a voice that empowers, a voice that educates and gives you a wisdom beyond your knowledge. This is what the Lord wants. Oh, for those days. That's all we've got, Lord. To be restored. To be renewed. To be able to see what you're saying to me. And by the light I walked through the darkness as I was in the prime of my days. Every stage of your life, you can be in your prime. That's in the fullness. So in your youth, enjoy enjoy being a youth. I don't know what that means anymore because they keep changing the, the dates. I think the scientists and the philosophers count themselves in so they keep stretching how long it is to be young. But, but in your youth, in your middle age, when you're, when you're the first, you know, you've got your first child and you're a parent for the first time and you're not quite sure what to do about this. You can be in your prime. God can add to you and help you so that every season you maximize the blessing. Don't you want that? Are you still with me? And as I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent and when the Almighty was yet with me and my steps were bathed in butter. Let me just pick out just as I come to a conclusion. As I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God Friendship. Look at me, if you don't mind, you know, don't get paralysis if you're taking notes. You don't seem to be, so that we're all right, okay? But just look at me a moment. The greatest accolade for every one of us in this room is that we might come into an intimate and meaningful friendship with God. Did I hear an amen? Amen. That's what he wants. You know the joy of the Lord is more about him than you? That the joy of the Lord is this, over one sinner who repents. There's a party in heaven. They know how to do parties. They really do. Not even a trunk or a treat. I'm telling you, this is one party. Why? Because he wants to restore our humanity back to its true identity. In friendship, relationship with God. He's a wonderful friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to our friend, to God, in prayer. Abraham, you are a friend of God. You set the pace. I want to be a friend of God. That's the kind of God that when you don't quite know how to to pray, you might just say like Job, Oh, 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 oh. 
Can't get his words out. That's my heart, Lord. I long for your friendship, for your intimate voice into me. The friendship of God was over my tent and when the Almighty was yet with me. That word almighty, could I just explain this a moment, El Shaddai? The most powerful being in the universe can be your friend. Who needs enemies? We can handle the enemies if that is true. El Shaddai does not mean the God of the past. You know, we hear that he's the same yesterday, today, forever. There's an eternal dimension here because creation is in front of you, not behind. Creation has come into play and the creator is in front of the procession. You can't think God's old-fashioned. He's not behind. He's in front. We have tasted of the powers of an age to come. We are living in the future now. And the God Almighty is the God who will be there tomorrow. When you can't quite fathom out what's going on in your world, God has not vacated the throne. This God is your friend that even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. Why? Your best friend will turn up. I say, this is the way. Come and fly. I mean, I believe that. It's not just walk. I think, you know, when God calls you home, you're there. Right? So fast you don't even need an airplane ticket. Zoom, and you've crossed into another dimension. That's how close God is. Closer. You say this, but you don't believe it. Closer than your breath. How close is your breath? So close you don't even know you've got it. Till you're without it. Right? He's so close. The God of tomorrow, who has been faithful in the past, will be with you in the present, and you've got no fears of the future yet to come. You know, if only you could have a photograph of what you look like in 10 years' time, it might help you. You might feel, oh, well, that wasn't so bad after all. Because sometimes when you are younger and you think, who's going to be my partner? What am I going to do for a living? Oh, now it's all left to me. There's no more. Come on now. This is the adventure. God is one step ahead of you. And he's your best friend. Then, when the Almighty is with you, your steps are bathed in butter. I like butter. I don't like margarine. I'm doing my best to help my wife think I'm slim. She wakes up every morning and realizes the nightmare. If you're going to give me a coffee, give me cream. Give me cream with the coffee. God does not do anything by half measure. He's for you. He's with you. My God shall supply 
all your need according to your bank account. No, that's a mistake. No, according to his riches in glory. Do you want to look at one of his diamonds? I'm telling you, you're going to get the shock of your life. When he unfolds the diamonds that are out of reach of human meddling. When we have that great celebration, I'm telling you, you're going to be part of a dance. You're going to know some moves you never knew existed. Right? This is a wonderful salvation. What the Lord was speaking to Job, even through his own confession, was very powerful. Chapter 42, because time has gone, chapter 42 is where he sees God. Now it's not God seeing him. He's seeing God. And when he sees God, look at me a moment. Come on, it's okay. Nothing to be terrified. Fearful, but not terrified. When you see God, your mouth drops open and your hand says, shut up. And your eyes, you can't begin to express what you're seeing, but God is bigger, better, more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. He just didn't want to dazzle you, distract you. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And if you're going through the dryness of soul, stop surrendering to the lies of the devil and say, as for me and my house, from this day forward, I'm going to move under the blessing of God and he's going to bathe my path with butter. He's going to enrich my life. Perhaps that's where you are right now. It's not about your friend. Not about your failures, not about your success. It's about the grace of God. And if you want today to make a declaration to the Lord, Lord, from this day, restore my soul. I'd like you to stand before Him. If that's your prayer, if that's your heart. What a great word that's been brought to us this morning.